Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, we dive into the potential tampering issues the Knicks and 76ers may be facing. Sixers head coach Doc Rivers weighs in on the situation. Plus, when did Kevin Durant know the Nets wouldn't advance to the next round of the playoffs? A friend of KD's recalls a telling combo. And it's been a fun summer thus far, filled with a ton of highlights, and we take a look back at the best moments from the Pro-Am Leagues. NBA Today starts now. Welcome into NBA Today. I'm Roz Golden Woodey. In for Malika Andrews, I'm alongside former NBA champion Matt Barnes. What's up, Matt? What up? Yeah. What up? So chill. We've got others joining us shortly. Let's jump into some news. Get it. Let's do it. Well, sources told ESPN that the NBA is investigating the Knicks for possible tampering as it pertains to their off-season acquisition of guard Jalen Brunson. The former Maverick agreed to a four-year, $104 million contract with the Knicks on the first night of free agency. Brunson has several ties to the Knicks as the team president, Leon Rose, is a former player agent that once represented Brunson as well as his father, former NBA player Rick Brunson, who is now an assistant under Tom Thibodeau. We now welcome in our ESPN Knicks reporter, Tim Bonteps, for more conversation around this. Tim, first of all, hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm great, Roz. Yeah, great to see you. I know you're handling all the things in New York. What more can you share on the NBA looking into the situation? Well, Roz, this wasn't a huge surprise that the NBA is looking into this Jalen Brunson signing with the Knicks for some of the reasons you mentioned before. He had a ton of ties to the Knicks that everybody was very well aware of. Now, Rick Brunson was hired this summer to work under Tom Thibodeau. Rick is obviously Jalen's father. He has worked for Tom in the past, but you add that to Leon Rose being uh, Rick Brunson's former agent. Actually, was Rick Brunson was, Jay, was Leon Rose's first client back when he started being an agent. They have a very long history. Leon has known Jalen basically since he was born. Tom Thibodeau William Wesley have known Jalen for a very long time. If you remember, back in the first round, the Jazz were playing the Mavericks, and there was a whole Knicks contingent there courtside to see not only Jalen Brunson, but potentially a guy they may be trying to get here in the next several weeks and Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. So there was a lot of smoke around Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks. Obviously, he then signed with the Knicks, as you mentioned, on the first night of free agency. And as we've seen in these investigations in the past, the NBA will go through electronic records of phones of various people involved. They'll interview everybody involved. And if they do hand down any kind of punishment on this, I, it's not like they're going to rewind the contract or anything. But as we've seen over the past couple of years, what happened with the Bucks with uh, the... Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, what we saw last year with the sign and trade deals involving Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball. The expectation, I would think, is if there is anything that's found here, is that the Knicks would lose a second round pick, which has tended to be what the punishment has been for all these teams involved. So Jalen Brunson's still going to be a Nick, whatever happens here, but it will be interesting to see if the league does find anything, and if they do, if they follow that same precedent and, let, and take away a second round pick from the Knicks here going forward. 
Yeah, well, thank you, Tim. Here are some of the tampering penalties the league has enforced over the last few seasons. Last year, they stripped the Bulls in the heat of a second-round pick for early contact with free agents Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry, respectively. And prior to the 2020 season, the Bucks also lost the second-round pick for tampering with Bogdan Bogdanovich. But the possible tampering doesn't start there. Adrian Wojnarowski reported the NBA also is investigating the 76ers for possible tampering centered on the James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House deals this offseason. The probe will include questions on Harden's decision to decline a $47 million player option for 2022-2023 and take a pay cut on the new two-year $68 million deal. We spoke with Doc Rivers, and here's what he had to say. Well, you just do. You handle it because it's not true. Uh, I mean, honestly, when James uh, did this and said this, first of all, we didn't know what we were going to do with the money we were getting. Uh, and, and listen, James won, too, because James could have opted into a one-year deal. Instead, uh, we gave him three years. And, and so both parties won in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, listen, it worked out for us. It worked out for James. Uh, this was not something I guarantee you Daryl had no idea what James was going to do. Uh, I remember talking to him on the eve uh, of when James could opt in or out, and he's like, we got five hours left. And that was a clip from the VC show um, hosted by Vince Carter and myself. We spoke with Doc Rivers yesterday. It just dropped today. And right now we come off of that clip. We're back here with Tim and Matt. Um, all right, guys. So around the league, there have been questions about whether there's already a handshake agreement in place for a future contract, which would obviously be in violation of collective bargaining rules. Um, Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, has already begun answering questions from league attorneys, sources said. Now, Tim. We talked about the Knicks already. How is the situation for the 76ers potential tampering different from what you just laid out with the Knicks? Well, the difference, Roz, is what you just laid out there in terms of the league looking into whether there's some sort of handshake agreement with James Harden and the Sixers about a future contract, which is something that, you know, that is salary cap circumvention. That is something that is much different than simply the tampering investigation we've seen in the past. The one time it was ever confirmed that there was salary cap circumvention like this was back in the early 2000s when Joe Smith went to the Timberwolves. That ended up costing Minnesota several first-round picks. I think initially it was five over time. They got one of them back and ended up being but that was a massive penalty at the time. Really hindered the Minnesota Timberwolves' ability to really build a contending team around Kevin Garnett and ultimately led to him getting traded away from the Timberwolves to the Boston Celtics in 2007. So certainly if there is any kind of uh, discovery of some kind of agreement ahead of time to give James a new deal after next season, that would be a really big deal and could potentially levy a really big penalty against the 76ers. But again, this situation otherwise falls into the same bucket where the league wants to look into whether there was some kind of pre-communication where everybody was doing stuff before the start of free agency when they're not supposed to. Obviously, there was a lot of chatter going into free agency about P.J. Tucker and, Dan and, and then later Daniel House, former teammates of James Harden in Houston, going to the 76ers, reuniting with both Harden and Daryl Morey. Obviously, they did that, and the league looked into it. But again, I think it's important to note that is the key difference here between what's going on with the Knicks and the situation in Philly is if there's a potential agreement on a future contract after this one-year deal that Harden signed with a player option for a second year. You know, Matt, we'd love to hear a player perspective. When you were playing, how often do these handshake agreements happen, if they are happening at all? 
<laughs> I think we go through this every single summer, as you guys all know, and just because it's the Knicks and the 76ers on Front Street, there's plenty of other teams that have talked a little early or a lot early. I mean, players talk to each other. The media talks to players. Agents are talking to players and teams. Agents are becoming part of front offices. So to me, this is much to do about nothing. You're never really going to be able to stop these conversations because you never really know where they're coming from. Um, you know, and until you, and I think most teams are, you know, do I value the risk or the reward? You know, we're going to go after our guy no matter what. And, and, and both of these teams got their guy. And if we get caught, is it just a second round penalty? So, you know, either the, the NBA needs to stiffen uh, the, 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 the penalty, which I don't think they should do. I should just think they should just let this go because, again, there's nothing they can really do. Again, there's two teams right now that are, you have to have the spotlight on them. But I guarantee you there's a lot of other teams that, like I said, that had had conversations somehow, some way about players that they want and they want to get. Yeah, try to tell the other 28 teams, you know, just let it go. <laughs> no problem. Um, but throughout this interview, Doc Rivers was absolutely cap captivating, and he did his best to clarify that situation on the VC show with Vince Carter and myself, but that wasn't all he had to say. So staying within the 76ers lane, Doc shed some light on the fallout of the Ben Simmons trade. Take a listen to what he had to say about his relationship with his former player. It was a lot of things has been told me and publicly now that happened long before I got there. What frustrated me was that I still think it shouldn't have been enough to want to leave. I, I just I just didn't. And I, and I told Ben that. I kept telling him that. Uh, this is this is not why you want to leave a team. This you, you work these things out. Um, they didn't get worked out. And, and so yeah, we've had one talk, not a long, long talk, but we did have one good talk. Uh, ben called me uh, afterwards, which I thought was great, and, and we had a good talk. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the point was he was already leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's beautiful here that they got some kind of closure around this situation. We now welcome in Nets reporter Nick Friedel. That's Ben Simmons' current team of the Nets of Brooklyn. So, Nick, we'll get your thoughts shortly. I want to start with you, Matt. You played for Doc. What's your reaction to what you just heard? I think they learned their lesson last year on, you know, what he said uh, publicly after the loss in the playoffs, what Embiid said publicly and you know whether he felt it or the guys felt that it wasn't enough to want to leave Ben felt it it was enough he wanted to leave so I think they obviously learned from that uh, mistake that they made publicly and didn't want that to repeat with James Harden so that's why you heard very early on a lot of positivity and we're going to get this done because they really realize that you know say the wrong thing and you could possibly lose a star so Obviously, water under the bridge. Ben is in Brooklyn now. Now they, uh, you know, the 76ers have James. But again, I just, you know, Doc is a great communicator, a great talker, and I just think what I took from that is they learned their lesson last year with Ben, and they didn't want to make the same mistake with James this year. Roz, I agree with Matt completely. Doc has been in this game for decades, and I have never seen a coach over and over try to get his message out publicly. They know there was a little bit of a misstep last summer. They're trying to clean it up now, and they're trying to move forward. The thing I just don't buy is if Ben Simmons had had a great playoff run and the Sixers had won the way that everybody thought they were going to, there's no way in the world that Ben Simmons is now wanting out and has landed in Brooklyn. So there are a lot of layers here, but as far as Doc is concerned, I think he was just getting back to what he knows, which is trying to spin this story the way he wanted it. Well, and that's really, to Nick's point, Roz, what 
Doc Rivers has been doing since last fall, right? Since the start of training camp last year, he had the same message, which is that he believed that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could make this work, that he could make it work with Ben Simmons, that they could all work together and get where they wanted to go in Philly. Now, at that point, as Nick very astutely pointed out, that came after all the things that were said after the way that second round series against the Atlanta Hawks ended. And it was clear from Ben Simmons' standpoint that that was things had gone too far and he was not going to be able to come back and be around the team, which is why we saw the drama play out the way it did until the trade deadline day trade that saw James Harden go to Philly and Ben Simmons go to Brooklyn where he will you know, potentially be playing for them next season. So, yeah, to me, this is just more of what Doc Rivers has been trying to do for the better part of a year. As Nick and Bath, Matt both laid out, he is very good at spinning things in the direction he wants, and that certainly is the view of it that Philly wants it to be, which is that, hey, we tried to make it work with Ben. He didn't want to make it work. That was too bad, but we're ready to move forward with James and Joel and the team they've got now, which they think is good enough to be able to be a championship contender in the Eastern Conference. Yep, well, Doc Rivers had a lot to share in the conversation. Check out the full convo with Doc on the VC Show. It's on the ESPN NBA YouTube channel, or listen wherever you get podcasts. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. And Nick, Matt, stick around. <laughs> All right, still to come on NBA Today, Malika Andrews talked with the legend Oscar Robertson yesterday. The Big O reflects on some fond memories of the late, great Bill Russell. Plus, Hear what former Nets player Mike James had to say about Durant's mentality during his series against the Celtics. And we take a look back at our favorite, most disrespectful plays in history. Don't miss it. NBA Today will be back after the break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. It's impossible to capture the lasting impact of Bill Russell in an hour-long show. But today, on NBA Today, we're going to try. He said something to me once, if you can only be great and no one else on your team can be great, then you're not a winner. All he did was win, and yet through all that, he still stood out more as a human being and as a person. That's hard to do. I mean, the same determination and stubbornness and fierceness that he fought Wilt with, he had that same determination in his daily life, and he had to. The man was even more impressive than the ball player. He taught me personally that you don't have to sacrifice what you want to say as a man from what you are invited to say as an athlete. If you look at any issue, Bill was on the right side of it. 
On Monday's show, we spent an entire hour talking about the life and the legacy and the impact of Bill Russell. And we had so many wonderful people join the show that we didn't have time to get everything in. But a perspective that we would be remiss not to share with you is one of Oscar Robertson, and he joins us now. We are so fortunate to be joined now by the legendary Big O, Oscar Robertson. We have been joined by titans of the basketball world throughout this show, but I'm so glad that now we are going to get to spend a little bit of time with someone who actually got to play against Bill Russell. And Oscar, I want to start just there, if we could, because the 1962 MVP race, for those that don't know, it was wild. You averaged a triple-double, 30, 12, and 11. You finished third in voting that year, and Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points per game, and I said that correct, 50 points per game to go with 25 boards per game and finish second, and then Bill Russell won that year. What did he do on the court that numbers just don't quite quantify? Well, it was, a, it was an exciting year. I mean, I didn't really know that I was averaging any triple-doubles, and then Wilt, Wilt just led the leg and everything. To be honest, I think really his 50 points a game really helped save basketball. But Russell's team was, they were, they, they were a great basketball team, and they went out and won the championship. You know, they beat everybody, you know, even Will. I mean, Will would get 50 points, but who would win the game? Boston Celtics. Red Arbeck had a very good machine going together, and, and when they got Bill Russell, that made them great, a great basketball team. I mean, the ultimate winner is something that we keep saying over and over and over again. And we're, we're going to get to Bill Russell off the court in just a moment. But in your book, My Life, My Times, My Game, you talk about how Bill would fare against the modern big man in the modern big NBA. And you use Shaq as an example. Can you tell our audience why you know Bill have, could, could have competed in this era? No, oh, because Bill was smart, intelligent. He had, he had exceptional jumping ability, and he was quick. Mm. Other than, I'm going to say, when Kareem played, there are, there are no other centers who had, had a great shot off the pivot like Kareem. Mm. I mean, the, the player, who are the pivot men you have today? If they don't, if they don't dunk a basketball, what do they do? Probably anything at all. So you're saying he would have been up there with the greats even today? Let me tell you a little story. Yes, in please. 1963, at the All-Star Game in Los Angeles, and I played with East with, with Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, mm. Tom Heinsohn, and probably Johnny Green or maybe uh, maybe uh, Tom, uh, Jack Twyman. West had Elgin, Jerry, Bellamy, Pettit, and Wilkes to start. Whew. Start the game against us. <laughs> and Bill played an outstanding game inside. They didn't dominate. They didn't get any dunk shots. And we just ran them off the court. <laughs> so when you talk about what would Bill do against these guys, these big guys today, if they have any kind of quality at all, they, they, they wouldn't be able to do anything with Bill. Mm. I mean, he, he would be able to play them. I'm sure he, would he keep them scoreless? No, but he would dominate them when he had to. Scoreless isn't the key. Winning, that, that seems to be the thing that Bill left in his wake. I, I, I am curious, you, you spoke about All-Stars. At the 2017 All-Star game, it was in New Orleans. You sat courtside next to Bill Russell. What do you remember about that time, about those conversations just five short years ago? Well, we sat there, we, we talked about different things, about, about, about the bad All-Star game that we played in, uh, and all the All-Star games we played in, because we talked about all the all-star games that we played together. Mm. He and I played together. We were 11-1. and one. 
We didn't. We only lost one All Star game, and I think uh, in the backcourt, Bill played the pivot. Uh, and we just talked about the, the game itself and how it was going today, and the players that you have today. And and really, and really, <laughs> we talked all about a lot about the money that they're making today. Yeah, it's it's a lot different than it was when you were playing. I, I do want to stick there, though, when you were playing, because when both of you were at the top of your respective games, how were you able to strike the relationship, the friendship that you did off of the court? Oh, it was easy because I met Bill in 1956 when I was a senior in high school. And he was a senior getting out of San Francisco. And they came through Indianapolis where I was, went to high school there, and they had an all-star team, and he was playing, so I went down to the locker room and met him. And him and the rest of the guys as well. And from that point on, I've, I've known Bill uh, throughout his tremendous career. And my mother was from Tennessee, and she would invite the, the guys from the subject over to have dinner before a game. And they and, they, and she loved it. She cooked them everything they wanted with what they had when they were very young boys, and she cooked it for them. Mm. <laughs> and, they, and they loved it. See? So, you know, it was ba- basketball was, when we got on the court, it was different. But at off the court, we were good friends. Bill stayed in my house a few times, and they came through Cincinnati. And I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. Sticking off the court, then, for those that don't know, in your words, how impactful was Bill Russell, the activist and civil rights leader? Bill was very active in the civil rights because he had a, he had a stage with his presence and what he was doing in basketball mm-hmm. and coming out of a big city like Boston and especially on the East Coast he had he had some dominance in, involved in what he was doing and he got would follow some of his followers followings of Dr King and talked about the things that was going on because if you understand Bill's early 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 career with the Boston Celtics it was very very difficult where he lived in right outside of Boston very difficult. Yeah. Even sometimes he was telling me that he went on the road and an exhibition game down in Lexington, Kentucky. They didn't want him to stay in the hotel. They wouldn't let him into the restaurant to eat, so he wouldn't play. feels like people remember this as this distant history that we have come so far from, but it really it, it wasn't that long ago. Oscar, if we could, I, I'd like to end on this. As, as you saw it, what made Bill such a winner, both on and off of the court? I think what made Bill a winner was that he was always a winner, and, and whatever he did, uh, he, he was—he just had the uh, the attitude that no one could beat him, and he went out there on the court and he proved it. And, and he played within himself. He knew that when he played with the Celtics, what he had to do—he had to play defense inside and rebound, and, and spark their fast break, which was very, very difficult to defend. Bill was the winner, as I said before. He won in high school. He won at college. He won with the Olympic team, and he won with the Celtics. Mm. What else can you say? Not a whole lot. Mr. Robertson, is there anything that I didn't ask you about your friend Bill Russell that you think is important for fans, for our viewers to know? I think that, you know, some would say that Bill was difficult to understand, but I did. I think Bill was a Tremendous guy to be around, to talk to about, about about things in life and about basketball and about what he was doing. And, and, he, and he, he often talked, asked me about my family as well. So so it was diff- it's a different situation when you knew a person and, and, to, and to call him a friend. And I was so happy and honored to call Bill Russell my friend. Thank you so much. We are so happy and honored that you took the time to spend a little bit of your time with us today. Thank you. I'm never going to live my life to get accolades 
or honest or anything. I've tried to live my life doing what I think is right and for the right reasons. And I think that I did okay. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Welcome back to NBA Today. From LeBron James to DeMar DeRozan, there have been plenty of big names from around the NBA that have taken their talents to gyms across the country to play in pro-am games. Let's go coast to coast to check out a few notable appearances over the past week. Starting in Miami, Donovan and Bam took the floor together at the Miami Pro-Am where the crowd got Mitchell to smile. They showered him with Miami chance. They better watch out, might get hit with a tampering fine. Right. No. <laughs> you never know, and Donovan got the crowd on his feet. Bam, throwing it down. Can you imagine him out there? That would be scary. All right, let's keep it moving. Isaiah Thomas dropped 45 points in the Drew League, including hitting seven threes. Matt, do you think Thomas will get another shot in the NBA? I think he needs to. I think he can still definitely play spot minutes, but what he brings more to a team is veteran leadership in that locker room, which a lot of these young teams desperately uh, need this, uh, these days. They need it. We're hopeful for our guy, IT. 45 big ones in the Drew League. Fuck you, Kevin. The top two picks in the 22 NBA draft. Paolo Banquero and Chet Holgren combined for 84 points at Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am League in Seattle. Banquero led the way, scoring 50 points in his hometown. Nick, how excited are you to see these two in the NBA? Roz, I'm ecstatic. As a lifelong Orlando Magic fan, there's finally some juice within that organization. <laughs> Banquero can be the face that Dwight we used to be and they haven't had since he left. Okay, let's take it to the biggest show at the crossover in Seattle. It was our first sighting of Atlanta's new big three. Check out this play. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins brought down the house. Matt, how excited should Hawks fans be about their new young core? This is going to be fun and you, you hit it on the head. It's young. So we have to wait to see how this is going to work out. But I mean, anytime you can add an all-star to your roster without losing your core, it's always a win. 
Roz, I believe it when I see it with the Hawks. Right. <laughs> I love seeing Gotta the see highlights it. on Gotta Twitter. See it. Right. It's cool, but I want to see it on an NBA floor, and I want them to play defense throughout the season instead of scoring 125 a night. So I'll believe it in, like, February or March. Ah, they got a whole lot of passing, added defense with DeJounte. Both of them can score that ball. Matt? How do you like this backcourt in comparison to other ones around the NBA? I mean, you like it. it, it it's a young <laughs> duel. Obviously, Trey Young, one of the best players in the game. DeJounte Murray starting to come into his own, coming off his first All-Star appearance. So I think I'm excited, just like Atlanta fans are seeing it. But like Nick pointed out, all this summer league is beautiful, fun, highlights. But we have to see it during the regular season. You know, how are they going to distribute the ball? Who's going to go win? And I think that's a lot of the stuff they're going to have to figure out to make this work because it looks great on paper. But we've seen a lot of things look great on paper that haven't actually panned out in the league. Nick, are Trey Young and DeJounte Murray a top five backcourt next season? I don't think so, Roz. <laughs> I think yet. they have the ability to be that maybe in time. But the top of the East is loaded. There are some really strong backcourts already in the league. And my issue, if you're a Hawks fan, is yes, it's going to be exciting. But can they really push up to the front of the East? This is not the bubble, next bubble year, where they had the success and got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They need to all make a leap, and I think it's so crowded up top, especially with Milwaukee and Boston. I'm not buying what the Hawks are selling yet. Big time DeJounte Murray fan here. I'm very excited for what this new chapter has for him and the Hawks. Murray posted more on Instagram over the weekend. He said, to my NBA brothers, if you're healthy and you love hooping, man, get out to these pro-ams so these kids and people who can't afford to see us will be able to see us for free. We ain't too big for this. Matt, how important is it for players to get out into their communities and play in pro-ams? I think I, I absolutely love it. I know it means the world to these actually communities and the pro-ams. And, you know, speaking to my brother Jamal Crawford this morning, we sent uh, all the smoke cameras out to Seattle and we were able to catch um, this amazing weekend. You see Donovan right here out in Miami. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful thing because it's more intimate, less people you ever actually have a chance to maybe have a conversation, get an autograph, get a pair of shoes from one of these stars. And again, they're not realizing that the lasting impression they're making because we all know games are outrageous to get to for a family of four. Some people just can't afford it. So to be able to take your family to a summer league game and, and see LeBron live or see any of those young Hawks live is a beautiful thing. Roz, Matt is spot on. I can't tell you how many times growing up in Orlando, Florida, I would be able to go to one of those summer leagues before they got really big in corporate or one of those rookie <laughs> camps with all the college kids coming through. And I would sit there and I would go, this is awesome. And Matt is right on with the intimacy of it because this is not an NBA arena. This isn't even a college arena in some of these cases. These are small venues where you feel like you're part of it. That experience, especially for the younger kids in attendance, is something that they'll always remember. And, you know, for NBA players pulling up, you know, it could add to their legacy. It's certainly interesting that the pressure that comes with that, the challenge, but also what they gain from it. Matt, you've played in Pro-Am basketball. What was that like for you? Well, it's a blast because, you know, obviously everything, everybody who's on the court who isn't a pro wants to measure their self up. Mm. You, know what I mean? so you get a lot of guys giving their best effort. I mean, man, look how old this is. <laughs> like 2010 or 11. But, you know, getting a chance to play in the legendary Keysar Stadium, uh, packed, you know, where a lot of great players have played. It was always a blast to be able to move around and play in some of these summer league games. And again, to me, it's for the kids and for the younger fans that may not get a chance to go to these bigger games. Yeah, it's, it's added accessibility of these, like, 
NBA players, they're almost so close you can right. touch them. Can. And, and, and the king of all of this, one of the great ambassadors of pro basketball and just community ambassadors and your homie, uh, Jamal Crawford will be on the show tomorrow. So make sure. sure you tune in to NBA Today tomorrow. But for now, let's talk about what's coming up next on NBA Today. This DeJounte Murray play made us think back to the most memorable and disrespectful plays of all time. Keep it locked. NBA Today will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Welcome back to NBA Today. Okay, it's game time. And a little game we play from time to time on this show is Chop It or Drop It. And for those of you that haven't seen it before, I'm going to tee up a topic. I'll ask our panel if they want to talk about it, a.k.a. Chop It, or Pass It because they aren't feeling the topic, a.k.a. Drop It. Easy, right? Okay, let's go. First up, let's listen to what former Brooklyn Net Mike James said on the Player's Choice podcast. I have a feeling we'll be chopping this one. <laughs> when I got signed and we was going on the road, we just like a lot of the same stuff. So we ended up just hanging out with each other every time on the road. Like, he got the big suite, so we'll just go in there, hang out, kick it, play the game, talk. So we just got close. And then after that, when I went back overseas, it was just like, all right, whoever sees it in first, the other one going to come to watch, like, the playoffs. When I first said it, I thought, okay, you're going to be in the finals. I'm going to get to go to the finals. That's lit. Right. So when they was trash and they was losing, I called him one day. I was like, all right, so you know what this means, right? You're going to come to my playoff <laughs> game. He was like, there's no way I'm coming to your playoff game. And they're like, a week later, he called me before the playoffs. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to be there in, in like a couple of weeks. So uh, you want to chop or Definitely drop? Chop. Okay. Definitely <laughs> chop. Definitely Basically, Mike James said that <laughs> KD knew the Nets were going to get bounced by the Celtics. This is going to get taken wrong, especially today. But, uh, you know, as a former player, when you talk to your team, former teammates, your homeboys, you may talk a little loosely, uh, you know, kind of just, man, we're trash. You know, this is probably not going to work. But I think, unfortunately, in today's media, people are going to take this as, oh, he wasn't doing this, he wasn't doing that. But, you know, every time KD steps on the floor, he laces them up like no other. So I hope this doesn't get blown out of proportion. I, I kind of think this was probably a conversation that KD probably didn't think it was going to, you know, obviously hit uh, the media, but, you know, it did. But to me, this is much to make about nothing, but I just wanted to make that because I know people are going to try to blow this out of the water like, oh, he knew they were going to lose. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. You never question KD once he's on the court. He's one of the best to ever do it. You know, it's summertime, off season. People are looking for anything to talk anything. about. Looking for a headline. Anything. Nick? <laughs> 
Guys, the only thing I would say is Katie wasn't the only one that was feeling like that towards the end of the season <laughs> right. in, in that Nets organization. Right. So I know there's a lot of attention because it's Kevin's name and because he's close with Mike, but there were plenty of people around that team that were going, oh, oh, oh. this thing happy. does not and look good real, <laughs> right now. So on top of that, what killed me is that later, guys, Mike's in the comments on Twitter going, well, Kevin feels like he can win with anybody. We throw four people out there, which is also mm. true. But as it pertains to that comment, let's just say Kevin was not alone there. <laughs> All right, guys, moving along. Nick, we'll start with you. Chop it or drop it. The Lakers' Russell Westbrook has officially signed with a new agent, Jeff Swartz of XL Sports, according to Woj. Nick, are we chopping this one or are we dropping this story? Roz, how fast can we drop this? Because <laughs> I just, I'm so sick of talking about Russ. He's not the same player. The Lakers know it. The league knows it. It's sad, but it's the truth. And he changes representation. It happens a lot in the league. Let's drop it. I agree. Drop it. I don't even want to say nothing. All right, we're dropping it. We're moving on. All right, it's my turn, and I'm not putting this one up for debate. We're chopping it no matter what you say. And what, look at what we're going to see from DeJounte Murray. Playing in the crossover pro-am, as we saw earlier in the show, DeJounte said his defender was too close for comfort. He gave him that bop-bop on the head. Now, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Look at this bop-bop. If, if you're the defender here, how do you respond? Is this Wait, cool? He's not doing that to me. But like I said, uh, before, you know, anytime you get a chance, obviously that guy who was guarding him is not in the league. You want a chance to make your name and your reputation off something you did in the summer. I, I think it just adds more excitement to the game. Uh, you saw how fast once he bopped him. He took one step and he was just gone at the rim so I think it's great I love it well that moment begs the question what is your personal favorite most disrespectful moment mm. in NBA history Nick I'm gonna start with you Roz this one's easy for me it's Scotty throwing down on Patrick Ewing in the playoffs <laughs> and then standing over him because the Oof. dunk was one thing but Oof. then the stand over and walk by I still remember that one. I know how much Scotty loves that moment in time. That was one of the all-time greats for me. Yeah, I, I love that, Nick. Um, my moment, so many to choose from when they put me on the spot. I had to pick my brother uh, out west, Baron Davis, during our We Believe run uh, second round. He got a chance to dunk on Karolinko, who completely dominated oh. us from the defensive end this series. That's why, to me, this dunk was just special. Okay, I remember that. I think I was at Stanford at the time, so it was like uh, Bay Area, we yeah, believe. Hold it down, even though they smacked us in this series. <laughs> it was a hell of a <laughs> All right, I'm going to pop in here. I grew up a big Iverson fan, so, you know, we got to take it to mm -hmm. Iverson stepping over Ty Lu. And, I mean, just in general, everything he did was so authoritative uh, and, and also just – not afraid. You know what's funny about this is we talked about this on, on All the Smoke podcast that he hates this highlight because <laughs> him and T. Lee were boys and he said it's like it's been playing constantly ever since it happened and he kind of feels bad about it but obviously a, a definitely an iconic moment going there and steal game one in the finals and then get swept. Okay, so from our production team, there's one they're saying we are forgetting. I, when they put it in our ear during the <laughs> break, I said, oh, my God, I forgot. Uh, so Shaq over uh, Chris Dudley. This was in 1999, uh, guys. And he puts his leg, wraps his legs around it. Ooh. Dudley just had a – he really didn't want no problems with Shaq. We all know that. But just the fact that he legged him and pushed him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I like the fight oof. from Dudley here. At least he threw the ball, did something. Yeah, if Shaq would have turned around and came at him, Dudley might have ran. <laughs> that part, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, guys.
For sure, Matt, you're standard. You're sticking with me, okay? Here, let's get it. Still to come, we have Tarika Foster Brasby. She joins the show as we look at the state of the Los Angeles Sparks and what's next for Star Center Liz Cambage after the two have parted ways during a critical part of the WNBA season. You realize how special it is to be a top player in the best league in the entire world. So much talent at this level. Sparks began the season with a heavy road schedule. Then they fired head coach Derek Fisher. That was one third of the way into the season. They've had multiple player injuries and most recently star center Liz Cambage reportedly quit the team resulting in a contract divorce between the center and the Sparks which occurred with just nine games left in the season. Now despite all of this the Sparks sit in the number eight spot in the standings and they're fighting for a spot in a very tight WNBA playoff race. And so right now to discuss all of this we bring in WNBA reporter and co-host of ESPN's Around the Rim, Tarika Foster-Brasby to discuss. Hey Tarika, how you doing? <laughs> hey Ross, great, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to work with you here and I know you have all the insight on what's going on in the W. Look, Liz was supposed to be the Sparks prized off-season pickup. Did you see this coming at all? Not in the least bit, at least not in the beginning of the season, right? I mean, Liz has always had a clear desire to play in L.A. She's admitted that, you know, she eyed L.A. when she was playing in Australia. We also know that she's expressed interest in off-the-court endeavors like modeling and music as a DJ. And so we as fans, we were excited to see her play in L.A. Like, this was what we wanted. And seeing her alongside with NECA, bringing a dominant inside presence to that Sparks roster, like, we were ready for for it but as the season progressed Roz you know I guess it, I could go from not necessarily expecting it to not surprised mm -hmm. that it happened there's just a myriad of things that happened over the course of this season especially in the locker room from disagreements about jersey numbers and the amount of touches that she was receiving and the public fallout about the comments that she made about team Nigeria knowing that you're playing with two Nigerian teammates mm -hmm. right so I definitely didn't see it coming but I ain't surprised it didn't work out. Mm, it's definitely been a tumultuous season. So what's next for Liz? Will she play in the WNBA again? Like, she's a talented player. Uh, could you see a team taking a chance on her? You know, this is a tough one. And as much as I hate to admit it, Roz, I really can't see her playing in the in the league, especially not in this year for certain. But I look at it like this. You know, Liz is a player. She's a four-time All-Star. She was once in the MVP conversation. She has all the talent in the world, but but she got baggage, right? And so it's difficult to think that a coach or a team would really be willing to take a chance on her, especially at this point in the season. Like I mentioned, she doesn't seem to be a player that – you know, we want to go to a rebuilding team, so we can't see a team that's struggling or a team that's looking to kind of start fresh picking her up. And then I also can't see a coach who has, you know, gelled, who has brought chemistry, who has figured out what's working in their locker room, bringing on a player like Liz again at this point. It's very difficult for me 
to see it. And it's kind of sad because there's a lot of talent. Like she is one of these star centers in this league. And to know that there isn't a team that may be willing to take on the challenge of handling the, the personality of a Liz Cambage is actually really sad. Yeah, and in the midst of all of this, the Sparks, they're, they're still in the playoff hunt. How can they overcome this and find themselves in the playoffs? Gosh, you know, so here's the thing, right? This team isn't a team that's unfamiliar with having to play without Liz. Like, she only played in 25 games this year, right? And in those 25 games, she only played, like, twice, 30 more, 30 minutes or more. So it's not that, like, this is a team that doesn't know or doesn't understand how to win without her. And then when you think about all the adversity that this team has had to overcome this year, I mean, they started off the season losing five games in the first two and a half weeks. They lost their coach midseason. Um, they had to deal with COVID. They had to deal with injuries. Christy Tolliver was injured. Kennedy Carter was injured. Like when you think of all those things, you you kind of feel like if there's any team that can make this work out of a situation like this, it's gotta be, it's gotta be LA. Neka Agumake is in the MVP conversation for a reason. She's the leader of this team. She's been dominant and she's been able to keep this team focused. You've seen a player like Janae Agumake come off the bench when Liz was absent and she's been giving dominant double-double performances. If she can stay healthy, the Sparks will be fine. You still have a player like Lexi Brown and Jordan Canada that's in your backcourt. Like this team has the pieces. Brittany Sykes is going to be amazing defensively. She always has been. And that's the thing that can keep LA in the conversation when it comes to this playoff push. So they're in the eighth spot right now. Don't give up on them, but it won't be easy. They've got a tough schedule ahead of them. Connecticut twice. It won't be easy, but it can be done. They got a lot of heart in L.A. Don't forget that rookie, too. <laughs> Olivia Nelson-Adota might get some extra time Thanks. in the post. Okay, now. Uh, it's been a pleasure <laughs> to pick your brain, your brain, Tarika. All Thanks right. so much for having me, Ross. Of course, of course. Now, here's our next WNBA game. I'll actually be there on the sidelines. The Sun host Diana Taurasi and the Mercury Thursday at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on ESPN2 and the app. This is the second game of two between these teams at Mohegan Sun Arena. They'll play tonight as well. The Sun have clinched a playoff spot while the Mercury are fighting for a spot with just six games left in the regular season. And don't forget, your girl Skylar Diggins-Smith is leading the way there, too. Also, her birthday. Happy birthday. All right, Sunday, we'll have a WNBA doubleheader with the league's top four teams on ABC and the ESPN app. At 1 Eastern, noon Central, the Suns square off against the sky. Then the Aces take on the Storm. What an afternoon of hoops on ABC. Coming up next on NBA Today, the Basketball Tournament's championship game is tonight on ESPN. We look at the Americana for Autism team's message, and NBA Today will be back in 60 seconds. A million dollars on the line tonight on ESPN. It's Buffalo alumni Blue Collar U versus Americana for Autism in the TBT finale. Just two teams left from our original field of 64. Which team is deeper? Which team is tougher? Which team wants it more? Find out tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And we are so fortunate now to be joined by one of the guards for Americana for Autism, former Florida State Seminole Isaiah Swan. Thank you for being here. Um, for starters, the, the team name, and because and obviously it means a lot to you personally, can you tell us and the audience about your connection to autism? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, sure. So in 2019, 2020, the year COVID hit, really. Um, my son uh, and well, my wife, we decided to get our son um, 
tested for autism because, you know, earlier stages of his life, he wasn't doing things that normal kids were doing. Um, he wasn't talking. He, his eye contact was a little off. And so, you know, those things uh, raised red flags. And uh, eventually, like I said, we um, after several calls, several um attempts trying to get pe uh, the right information uh, we finally uh, got him diagnosed and he he ended up having um, autism so um, that is what brought me here uh, with this team uh, it was a bunch of guys that um, connected me um, with Griff um, who was uh, the GM of the team and come to find out two of the guys on the team um, have kids with autism as well we are so excited to see you play. You're playing for a wonderful cause for your son and many more. Thank you, guys, and good luck tonight good luck. Good luck. in the championship. Thank you. I appreciate you guys.